and welcome to a very merry episode of Overdrinkers. I'm Mike Burge, the host of this show, where I get together with a friend and talk about a movie with some themed beverages. And today we have returning champion of Overdrinkers. He just can't get enough of this goddamn show, and hopefully this is the last time I have to do it. Uh, Third time's a charm? Uh, of overdrinkers, yes. Right, yeah. Of overdrinkers, yeah. yeah. You've been also on uh, CRC. Yes. Yeah, it's good. Uh, Cat the Raycast with Bernadette Gorman White. Yeah. Uh, I am joined by Yarko Dobriansky. Hello, hello. Thank you oh, for yeah. having me back. I, I feel I feel especially privileged to be part of this uh, Christmas Christmas episode. It's a Christmas episode. Yeah. This is. Uh, we are talking about the 1989 classic Christmas film. National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Yes. So here we are. Here we are. Uh, we had talked about doing like another episode on uh, something else uh, that we're going to save for a future date that will make more sense for what the uh, theme is. However, for this one, uh, we needed a we needed a Christmas episode. Yeah. And so, what better way than to Sit down with uh, a goofball dad and talk about a movie about a goofball dad. I love it. Uh, and as always on Overdrinkers, we are partaking of a themed beverage, and I've concocted together this delicious little eggnog, cognac, brandy, and cinnamon um, mixture. But the very special thing is that your wife got uh, these um, these like Wally, Wally moose cups. Wally moose cups yeah. that are like replicas of the ones that they're drinking. In the, the famous eggnog scene yeah. with the walnuts and everything. Which is cheers. which is also, it's a throwback to the first movie. Of right? course, yeah. Vacation. And that did really come out good. Oh, that is really good. And it's really funny to drink out of these, like, holding the the antlers like that. <laughs> yeah. If I didn't see them hold the ant- hold them by the antlers in the movie, I probably would assume that you Underneath. hold it like a cup, like a goblet. Right. It is kind of funny. It makes no sense. It makes but it's no very, very, sense. But it's very, very cool. Um, so yeah, uh, this was kind of like a different take. Usually on Overdrinkers, someone says that they want to cover a movie. And so we get together and we cover that. Whereas with this one, it was kind of like, oh, we need a Christmas one specifically. And I've always wanted to do an episode on Christmas Vacation, whether it was like a cool takes or just like kind of generally talking about it or an Overdrinkers proper. Um, because it's one of like it's probably one of the movies I've seen the most in my life. Oh yeah. Because I probably watch it at least once every Christmas what was season. The first time you saw it. Uh, I watched this one young. Yeah, uh, I did too. I had to have seen this one probably by like 1992. By the time I was like five or six. Five or six. Same. I had to have. five years um, old. Because it's not a, it's not a, it's PG thirteen, but it's not a necessarily risque and violent movie, and it's much less uh, crude right. and crass than the other two vacation movies. It's much more kind of family focused. Um, other than the, than the uh, retail. Girl. Right, but even that stuff, like that's the interesting thing about yeah. this movie is that it's like. I can remember being young and being like, all of that's going over my head. I don't understand. No, of course not. What's going on there? It's yeah. like it's a person, okay? Yeah. And but like as you get older, you start to understand the implications, and it starts becoming a little darker <laughs> and a little bit more like kind of uh, like really weird. Like watching it this year was really weird, and again, I watch it every year, and it just slightly changes 
every time I watch it, as I'm getting older, even though I'm not really changing or learning anything new right. profoundly, the, nothing new that's going to profoundly change a 1989 Christmas comedy to me. But I do feel like there's little tiny things that I notice every time I watch where I'm just like, that's really fucking weird <laughs> that a bunch of adults back in 1989 decided to do that. Yeah. Um, but uh, that's that's kind of my brief connection with the movie. I, I really uh, – I watch it all the time. I don't know if it's – I don't know if it's a good movie. All the time or every every holiday? Every holiday, yeah. Okay. Like I've watched it many, many, many a times. At this point now, I've probably watched it over 30 times. Yeah. Because uh, sometimes I'll watch it multiple 30. times. Yeah. It's got to be more. Than it's got to be more. Yeah. It's at least 30 because I've watched it every Christmas uh, since I was like five or six. Yeah. Um. But I don't know if it's – I think it's well made. It's definitely well made. I mean the – I just don't editing, know if everything it's – Everything fits together. Everything fits together very well. It's It's one of those things. I've seen it so much that it's like maybe the jokes don't land as much as they used to even right. though the jokes are kind of like an old friend and something like this. You keep yeah. revisiting them. You know it's coming. And I think it's gotten to the point where maybe I've started to – it's not the film's fault. It's my fault for kind of diluting the energy and the manicness of right. the movie of like the unexpected and, you know, the wacky, the kind of uh, the the kind of over realism that it's like doing the surrealism that it's doing. Like it just kind of gets lost on me now and washes over me. And particularly last night, I watched it on glorious VHS because I <laughs> just hooked up my VC at my new VCR and everything. And I inventoried and alphabetized and organized all my VHS tapes and I saw that I had Christmas Vacation. Awesome. And so I was like, oh, I have to watch this. So beautiful, you know, aspect ratio down to a square, cutting off some of it. Nice and grainy. Sounds amazing and mono. Um, and just watching it last night, like watching it on the on like the, the type of media that I grew up watching it on, on the yeah, VHS, the VHS. that my parents owned it just kind of reminded me of like how I felt about it as a kid where I was kind of confused, but I laughed at some things because there's like, there's childish stuff in there, but then there's far more adult stuff in there. And as you get older, you kind of grow with it. Right. And this time was the first time I was watching it. And I was like, I'm not laughing as much as I usually am. Maybe because I'm like in a dark period in my life where I'm really busy and tired and it was one o'clock in the morning. Um, but no, 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 what's what's uh what's what's your what's your history my, with, with Christmas Vacation? My history is uh I was introduced to it at the age of five at um my godfather and his parents uh, through a holiday party every year and we would all go over there and they would just plop us by the TV and one year they got the VHS of Christmas Vacation mm -hmm. and they put it in and we all would watch it every year and they finally they gave it to us as a gift so I would. Constantly watch it on VHS, um, and I just remember I remember my my dad laughing and and all the adults laughing at it, and then I was just enjoying it because it was it's to a kid it's like going to the North Pole it's beautiful like it's there are colors everywhere it's very Christmassy, mm -hmm. um, and then you know there the 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 sight gags that worked for kids you know when he's up in the attic and he. He steps on the wooden planks and it smacks him in the face. Oh, know, yeah. That, you get like a little like Buster Keaton yeah, kind of action. Yeah, exactly. You know? Um, so that's that's how I started at the age of five. And, and coincidentally, um, <laughs> I walked in um, 
on my wife uh, playing it for my boys for the first time, and they're five years old. So they, they have jumped into the Christmas vacation bandwagon as well. And they love it for the same reason I loved it. It's a good family movie. Yeah. It, and it about like you can watch it with family and also it's like about family and all of the things that are good about family, all the things that suck about family, all the basic things. Like it's I think that's kind of why the movie has lasted so long, even though it's like, you know, it's such an outlier from like the rest of the series. You know, yeah. not just that they don't go on a trip. Um which is kind of the whole point. Like, that's what Christmas vacation is. Like, you don't normally go on a trip on Christmas vacation. Right. You are on vacation at home. But in retrospect, it's it's everybody else going on vacation Yeah, coming to them. to them. Yeah. Right. And it's just like, but it's it's kind of funny how, like, I think that this one is the most well-known. Yeah. Out of all oh, the absolutely. vacations. You know, Vegas vacation is kind of just like almost non-existent. Right. Um, and European Vacation, I think, will probably be a close second because it's yeah. like considered one of the greatest comedy sequels of all time. Um, and it just kind of heightens everything that the original Recipe Vacation does. Right. But Christmas Vacation is kind of like, you know, it's the third in this series. That's It's technically a sequel. Yeah. Things are referenced and there is slight continuity. Uh, you know, they change the kids – in every, every movie, like that's the whole point. <laughs> every time. And in this one, they even go so far as to like swap the age differences and right. stuff like that because it was always like I think Anthony Michael Hall was the first one, right? And the the boy, the Russ is always older, yeah. And in this one, they 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 reverse they it. reverse it where <laughs> Juliette Lewis is older uh, than um, Big Bang Theory Roseanne kid, yeah, uh, uh, Johnny Galecki, Johnny Galecki. Um, the like the legacy of Christmas Vacation as like a comedy sequel is so weird because technically it must be considered one of the greatest comedy sequels of all time. But I think because it's such an outlier, it doesn't really get that kind of thing because it's not really a sequel. You know what I mean? Like it, I never hear anybody it, talk about that when you're talking about what are the greatest comedy sequels of all time. Because it's it's its own movie. Because it's a Christmas movie. Right. It's so separated yeah. from what the other ones are about. As like Holiday Row. Right. Yeah. As soon as you make a movie a Christmas movie, it's a standalone film. Right. Even if it's like number four, number five down the list of sequels. Mm-hmm. It will always be called a Christmas movie first. And it's one that's like wears its Christmas like on its sleeve. You know, it's like it's not something like Lethal Weapon or like Iron Man 3 or Die Hard, which like these are Christmas movies inarguably. These are movies (laughs) that are about family and relationships and um, depression. Yeah. uh, Which are all things that are the holiday season and things that we consider. And they also happen to be like big action movies. Right. But this one is one where it's like, no, this is kind of like a screwball comedy. Um, it's insane how not crass this movie is. Like, I always thought that it was a little bit more um, sharp right. than it actually is. And when I watch it, and I think it's because when you're a kid and you're watching it, you're like, am I supposed to be watching this? Like, there's <laughs> yeah. things that I don't understand. and People are using chainsaws and swearing and going on. Like, I remember that monologue at the end of Christmas Vacation is like, when I was a kid, I had like a wave of that on my computer and I would put it on like mix CDs that I would make because <laughs> I would like break up every two or three songs. I would put like lines of dialogue from a movie in there right. because I was really cool. Um, and I would put that monologue in there all the time, which starts out with the, hey, 
any here looking for any last minute gift ideas for me, I have one. And it's like I would put that in there, and I remember as a kid, like that's like one of the greatest comedic performances of all time. Is like that monologue, monologue. where he just goes at it, and then like as you get older, you learn stuff like, oh, Chevy Chase actually really fucking sucked, <laughs> and oh, they had uh like 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 signs on on thread around everybody's neck that was standing in front of him that had different words on it. And he would just look around and use all those words, and that's what he would do. Or I don't know if that's true or not, but I remember hearing that. And then it's you just also get to a point where, like, now you've seen so many movies that have been inspired by Christmas Vacation or right. inspired by Chevy Chase's, like, late 80s performances that it really kind of starts to become this thing where it, it's becoming fucking Citizen Kane, you know, where yeah. you're just like, I am still in marvel of this amazing thing but it's getting so old, even though it's only 1989. Right. You know, but you're just like, so much has happened since this movie was made. You know, it's been almost fucking 40 years. It's like, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm kind of at a loss for it because a little bit of the magic was gone this time, even though I really liked it. And I was trying to kind of pinpoint where that was coming from. Okay. Like, do you still, you rewatched it for this. I, I rewatched it. Did you, but did you rewatch it with your kids? No. It, no, no. So you no. watched it all on your all own. All on my own to focus and make sure I got everything mm-hmm. I, I thought I should get and more. So with what you said, was there anything new that you saw this last time around that you've never noticed before? Or something changed for you this time around? Mm, that I never noticed before, I don't think. Uh, I mean, mm, I think I was noticing how much I really do like Cousin Eddie's like blue leisure suits yeah. uh, a little <laughs> bit more than usual. I was really paying attention to it. I was like, you know, that looks fucking, that looks fucking sh- nice. I'm into sharp, that. Looking sharp. Um, no, it pretty much is just like, you know, I hope I'm not sounding like negative on it because I do love the movie and I think it's amazing. It has probably my favorite piece of physical comedy in any movie of all time, which I think is one of the funniest things ever put to film. And that's the scene at the grocery store where (laughs) Chevy Chase puts down uh, a small pack of light bulbs on the cart just as yes. Randy Quaid puts down a, a, a yet another fourth gigantic bag of dog food and just smashes it. And they both just keep going as if it didn't happen. Um, I wait for that scene every fucking time. And it, it's just as funny as the first time that I saw it. Oh, yeah. Um, and and I, I love, too, like just like all of the, the the archetypal members of the family and stuff, and like the goofy uncle and like yeah. the cousin that you hate talking to and, uh, uh, you know, how the parents can be different ways and stuff like like all that basic family stuff that you get out of like big Christmas holiday movies like this. Uh, and I, I connect with all of that. Uh, but this time, particularly, I don't think anything fresh came up outside of the leisure suit. Okay. All right. Um, For me, for some reason, at the very end of the movie, when all is said and done, they all go in the house. And after Ellen kisses Clark, she goes in the house. And you see Clark looking up. And he just says the the words, I did it. I did it. I started losing it, just laughing my ass off. For some reason, it struck me in such a different way than any time before. Because I'm... I'm laughing at the fact that 
my first reaction was, what did you do? You did nothing. There was nothing. And then I realized, oh, okay, he, he survived. That's what it is. Christmas is about survival for family. And if, as long as you make it to the end and everybody's still there, even though you've yelled at each other, then you've survived. And that's a successful Christmas within a, a, a family Christmas. Yeah. You know, I, I agree. And that just reminded me, yeah, there is something that I noticed this time that I don't think I had ever noticed before. You don't ever actually see Christmas. Right. It ends on Christmas Eve. Right. <laughs> I And I think that I didn't realize that until, like, I was thinking about something last night. And I was like, oh, yeah, this is the end of the movie. Is this Christmas Day? Oh, no, it's Christmas Eve. Because he says the line, I was going to wait till tomorrow right. to say this. And they don't, like, open the presents and everything. And I'm like, oh, they – you don't see Christmas. <laughs> no, you don't. You do not actually see Christmas Day. It's all, like, you know, the uh, – the week and a half or two weeks or so leading up to it, and then it, um, the majority of it takes place on Christmas Eve itself. Yeah, it's not Christmas. It's not Christmas. It's pretty wild. <laughs> um, and they all they all still have to stay there. They're all sleeping there. They're all staying. Nobody's there. leaving. No, and yeah, cousin Eddie is staying well he's into still, January. <laughs> yeah, he's yeah. Like, that's a great line. Or he's great like, great line with the with he's the van. Don't be falling love it. We're gonna take it with us when we leave next month. That's why. <laughs> um, oh man. It's good. Uh, it's a good movie, and the the things about it that I find the most interesting are its kind of its its kind of uh, placement in like late eighties comedy sequels, like where everything was getting a sequel and everything had to be like you know you have to change it and up yeah. it and like twist it and do all this stuff. Where it's like you know the I don't know if you know like the 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 concept of this thing from John Hughes grew from, um, you know, an article that he had written, uh, I believe, for National Lampoon um, called uh, Christmas 59. Uh, he might have written it for another another uh, publication. I can't remember. But it was Christmas 59, and it was essentially just like this gigantic article where John Hughes wrote about this one Christmas that he had in 1959, and he, you know, makes things extravagant and stuff like that. And that itself was a sequel to an article that he had written called Vacation 58, which uh-huh. was very much what the first National Lampoon Vacation is is based off of. Uh-huh. Um, so you're saying there's a sequel to this movie? Uh, no, no. So it's like this is – that is like what they based this movie on, you know. Yeah. John Hughes is like, I'm going to make a movie for National Lampoon. I'm going to use this story, Vacation 58. Boom. Do that. And then they're like, it's a success. Now what do we do? Bring them to Europe. Let's do that. All the same jokes, now only different. Boom. All right. All right, now what do we do again? Oh, I don't know. I already had an article sequel to that original Vacation one. It's a Christmas movie. Why don't we do that instead? And then boom, move over to that. And then, you know, nothing for a little bit. And then it's like Vegas Vacation. Right. You know, and it's even weirder too where it's like the first two Vacation movies, the cover art is like, you know – that kind of like Flash Gordon-y Star Wars. Yeah, I love it. He's super muscular, yes. raising everything up. Um, that's on vacation and European vacation. Mm-hmm. And then Christmas Vacation and Vegas Vacation have a completely different. Very cartoony. Um, but still the same between the two of them of yeah. him like arms spread out like he's in the Santa costume getting electrocuted. <laughs> and then he's like on like the 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 billiards. Or, yeah. Not billiards. No, wasn't it? Wasn't it a billiard table? Is it a billiard table? What's the one with the ball where it like goes around the on black or red? I can't I remember what they're called. You're looking it up. Okay, I am fine. looking it you up. You look it up, and I'll, we're, we're on a, I'll uh, I'll crunch for we're time. On time. 
Oh, it's a it's a roulette table. That's roulettes. I mean. Roulette. Yeah. yeah. Billiards is like a, it's like fucking pool. pool. Yeah. Uh, we're smart. We're two <laughs> smart guys. Um, I wasn't prepared for Vegas vacation. I was prepared for Christmas vacation. I mean, Vegas vacation also has an amazing joke in it that I think is one of the best jokes of all time, which is the the whole damn stuff. Oh yeah. Yeah. I am your damn guide. <laughs> Are there any damn questions? Yeah. Where's the damn bait, Eddie? <laughs> That's good stuff. It's good. Uh, everything else in that movie, not that great. Right. Um, um, this movie yes. has one of the, I think, one of the greatest, um, what do you call it? car stunts. That's mm-hmm. what I was like, stunts ever. I mean, right in the beginning when they're going to the tree farm and they're doing the uh, the wraparound chase with the, the rednecks in the truck. And then he tries, uh, he, uh, Clark tries to go around them, but he's also talking to Ellen, so he doesn't notice he's pulling to the left lane underneath the massive truck hauling logs, mm-hmm. and he drives right in between the back two tires, which they did. They did that. That was There's no trickery. There's no CGI. That was the stunt driver driving underneath that truck, and the you can tell the distance between that front tire and the back tire is so small. Yeah, it's some Tom Cruise shit. Oh, my God. It was incredible. Mm-hmm. And then they make it out. And they make it out. And, and a great thing that I've always said uh, would you, – you would lose the and amazing – they make good time. You, they, exactly. <laughs> you would lose the opening cartoon, which is like something that they love doing in the late 80s. Yeah. Uh, the opening cartoon credits. And you would also lose all of the introduction to like reintroduction to the Griswold family characters and stuff like that. Um, and this like fun car chase and everything. But I think a solid just opening – to the movie would be fading in on that tree sign and then just the car crashing Smashing into in. it and then yeah. just being like, make good time. And then like <laughs> that's you going into the movie. Right. It's like the Griswolds are back, baby, kind of thing. I, I, I've thought about that a couple of times when I watch it because it does seem like it has three beginnings. You could begin oh, yeah. that way. You could begin the way it does. You could also begin without the cartoon thing and just you can imagine, you know, uh, with them singing Christ the Lord. Right. You can imagine that like going on a little bit longer than before with the Warner Brothers logo opening up and, you know, um, the directed by everything like that. Right. And then it fades in on them in the car. Like you can imagine multiple beginnings to this because it's kind of like, well, where do you want to pick up on what the Griswolds are all about. Yeah. Do you want to do the goofy stuff before the chaotic stuff? Do you want to do the chaotic stuff straight up front? Or do we want to do the thing that works so well? And Honey, I Shrunk the Kids and just have somebody make a cartoon (laughs) that has nothing to do with the movie at all other than the character's last names. Yeah. And just do that. Yeah. I mean, they all worked. All of the beginnings will work on it. And I would, I couldn't imagine not doing those openings. You know, I mean, yes, that's, if, if those never happened, obviously we would have missed them, right? And crashing into this, the sign would be great. But it's a, it's such a good, just reminder of what we loved about the first one, that it it brings you right back in, with with just enough time to enjoy it, and then be like, okay, I'm ready for this movie to start. Let's yeah. go, Christmas. Here we go. Yeah, and plus in the beginning you get the little mini road trip, like so right. they actually do right. go somewhere. They do go somewhere. Yeah, yeah. And then even after the car, they hike into the woods. <laughs> try and find the perfect Christmas tree. And that's, uh, what is it? Something like it's, they got to where they were filming all the outdoor locations and like there was no snow. So they started having trucks like bring in snow. And then as 
as uh, they were like about to get the the fake snow, it actually snowed wow. for three days straight and did ten feet of snow. So there was too much snow, <laughs> and there was something like uh, I was looking at a uh, an interview with um, Chevy Chase, and he was talking about how. They got like stuck inside a house for like two days because of the snow, and they were like, "We'll just use the attic in this house, and we'll shoot the attic oh, scene right up there." I don't know how much I believe that because that's a big fucking attic. I don't know where they were. Yeah. It seems like an attic that was set for everything that they're right. doing, but right. also at the same time, maybe not. But uh, Chevy Chase is also a little scamp. You know, he's right. a little he's a little devil man. Yeah. So he might just be making that up. Um, but so much snow fell down, and I love that opening scene where you see them going through. All of the snow, yeah, and it's just like up to I their mean, hips. It goes up to the hips. I was just gonna say it's 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 thick. It's 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 heavy snow, and even even little rusty going through them mm-hmm. is uh, is pretty intense. But I love that um, you know Juliet Lewis's character Audrey just starts freezing. Yeah, she'll see it later, honey. Her eyes are frozen. <laughs> <laughs> and then it only it only ricochets to Clark when he starts. His little monologue while watching the tree, right? It yep. doesn't. Ellen doesn't freeze up. Rusty doesn't freeze up. But Clark starts to freeze up. Yeah, he starts to get like like the frostbite on yeah. his tongue, and he's like <laughs> he gets the lisp. And then the the uh, you know the unexplained how how the hell did they dig up that tree, right? But that's a, a great gag. Oh yeah. yeah, pulled it out of his pulled it out of the ground with his bare hands. Yeah. <laughs> and then the uh, I also love to the. Um, uh, that leads right into the, uh, the neighbors. Neighbors, yeah. Uh, played by uh, Julie Louise Dreyfus and Nicholas Guest, Christopher yes. Guest's brother. Yeah. Uh, who I only really know else from um, he played like a cadet in the beginning of uh, the Wrath of Khan. Oh, okay. Uh, it's just you know barely know from barely this. in the movie. Yeah, really, this is it. And yeah. I'm uh, watching it, and I was just like. Yeah, dude, like he really does look like Christopher Guest. Like if, <laughs> if if you didn't know that, you'd never think it. You're like, right. he's got that look. But as soon as you know that they're related, you're like, oh my goodness. These yeah. two are like related. Related, yeah. yeah. And I, I love he, like, he you know. He might the, just be a little bit more maybe clean cut or. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. He's more the, uh, like they definitely probably both have the same kind of um, sensibilities. Right. But uh, whereas Christopher Guest was kind of like, you know, the. Um, he can be the wacky character. Nicholas Guest kind of like strikes you more as like the straight man kind of thing. Yes, where it's yes. like he's more he's more like, you know, especially in this. Uh, him and Dreyfus are playing like these clean cut, oh. um, uh, like yuppie, uh, tech savvy, yeah. just kind of asshole neighbors and stuff like that. Um, and they're fantastic. They're great. Uh, one of my gr- favorite lines in the movie is... Well, why is the floor all wet, Todd? I don't know, Margo. Margo. It's good. It's good stuff. Um, and they actually, surprisingly enough, they get a good chunk of the movie. They really do. Uh, it's not just more like than snippets. I ever remember. Yeah. Like every time I watch it, I always forget. I'm like, they're like through the end. And movie. I guess there's a deleted scene uh, of, you know, like the... Santa Claus goes like above like uh-huh. the moon and that's the ending. Apparently it's supposed to be post credits. It's like them in bed. <laughs> and he says something about like, you know, just like uh who needs Santa, like blah, 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 blah. Uh-huh. And then the thing crashes through <laughs> oh, their their ceiling. That would have been a perfect yeah. post credit scene. And that would have been great too, because then yeah. it's like it's really keeping them all the way until the end. Oh yeah. Uh 
but they've got some of like the best reactionary jokes and like just like some really funny lines of dialogue between just the two of them like right. in there like after they go for the run uh-huh. and she's like after a shower of course of course of course, <laughs> of course. it's well even that um that first interaction between the neighbors right uh where the husband goes uh where are you, where are you gonna put that thing mm-hmm. and clark says bend over and i'll show you because mm-hmm. what did you say? Yeah, and like, I like, wasn't talking to you. I wasn't talking to you. Yeah, no, it's it's like an extremely quotable movie. Loads of fun characters and like all of this stuff that we're talking about, which is just so much fun to like remember and rewatch over and over again. It's before the family even arrives, right. and like that heightens everything. And then you're like you're with the family for like another twenty minutes with the lights and like the 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 attic and the shopping. That you forget, oh, right, fucking Cousin Eddie is about to show up. <laughs> I forget every time. Yeah, he's every about, time I watch that movie. Yeah, he's about to show up like uh, Spider-Man's reveal in Civil right. War. Like, you're just like, oh, my God, shit has just gotten real. Um, I never, for some reason, I never remember that he's showing up that early. Yeah. Which which is a testament to the movie. Yeah, and it's just like he's like going through like the light bulbs and everything. Yeah. Which I I'm planning on buying a home, hopefully my first home in the next couple months, and I'm pretty excited about our first Christmas. I really do want to overdo it yeah. on purpose like Clark Griswold style. I really want to like get the grid I want to make our neighbors like <laughs> think we're weird so they leave us alone. I like being left alone by my neighbors. Uh-huh. Um, you know, I'll be nice. Wave Hi. If they need anything, always there for them. But, like, if they could just, like, leave me alone as much as possible when right. I'm home, that would be great. Perfect. Yeah. Um, so I want to just make sure that I can do that uh, in my new home. So I really want to do full-on 25,000 bulbs. Oh, my God. You know, even if the little lights are not twinkling. I mean, that that scene alone is is great, right? It's, it's the whole – this whole movie is very vaudeville. Right? Yeah. It's very much sketches and skits, and they go back and forth, him and Ellen, between flicking the switch on and plugging this in, right? They, yeah. And they finally, she figures out the switch. Mm-hmm. And he thinks he did it because he plugs it in at the same time. Yeah. It's all like, it's a it's a happenstance kind yeah. of like comedy. It's right. just like everything's kind of like, and then this and then that. Well, this because this and then this and yeah. pop up. Okay. Now, and now starting all over, now we're doing another scene. Now and this and then that. And it all kind of It's all like set up, up and go. Mm-hmm. Set up and go. And even long term, the, the characters in the beginning do one little thing to pay, to have that payoff at the end, right? Mm-hmm. With Eddie especially, um, and that 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 whole line of um, where when he finally does the lights, right? <laughs> he goes down from family member to family member. Clark does, mm-hmm. and uh, he gets to his father, and that this is my all time. That's my favorite line where he goes, "You taught me everything I know about exterior illumination." Yeah, it's good. <laughs> not, not you know, not like setting up lights, but exterior, exterior illumination. illumination. And uh, earlier on, when the lights aren't on, another one of my favorite. Another one of my favorite quotes in this movie, but also one of my favorite quotes from a movie of all time. I'm sorry to sound sound, uh, hyperbolic, but I say this line all the fucking time whenever it's possible. And it's uh, when the lights aren't working, Julia uh, Lewis says, he tried really hard, Grandpa. (laughs) So do washing machines. (laughs) And I'm just like, that is one of the, I remember as a kid, like that was such a deep 
cut of a joke yeah. for adults. <laughs> like, you're just like, he's comparing him to a washing, washing machine. machine. But as a kid, like, I could understand that joke and get, like, the timing and the rhythm of, yeah. like, the beats leading up to that punchline. Right. It's I've always found it so funny. And I use it all the fucking time. I, we tried to name, I tried to name our, um, our, uh, a couple of our Christmas drinks on the, the cocktail uh, menu at Wonder Bar this year. I tried yeah. to name something after this movie. Yeah. But I found myself being like, well, if I can't name it, so do washing machines. I don't want to <laughs> name it anything from this movie at all because I'll feel bad. And you can't name a drink that people are going to drink. Why not? After a washing machine. Why could why Because could it you? sounds chemically. It's oh, just I love like, it. Oh, I, yeah, would I, totally I, I would totally I would. I want to do it. But maybe that's uh, at a time when things are a little bit more laid back. Okay. We'll right. go. We'll do. We'll go that far. Yeah, I mean that that line was done by the great uh, E. G. Marshall, right? He played Art, mm-hmm. which was Clark's father-in-law. He's the president from the Zod scene in Superman Two. Yes, yes, he is. Yeah. Um, he also this whole movie. He's he's. I love his character so much because this whole movie he's punching down Clark. Right, he's doing the the father-in-law thing, mm-hmm. and then. When Eddie brings Clark's boss to their home, and Clark has the speech of, you know, I'm sorry, but when you, you know, when you're counting on this check and mm-hmm. you get lowballed by the whatever, right? And and everybody starts, the camera goes from person to person, but they go to Art, and he stands up like a father mm-hmm. in support of his son. And that's that. It's the one time you see his face. It's all in his face. It's, it may look blank to you as, as a child, but when you're an adult, you're like, I know that face. Mm-hmm. That's a look of support, and that's a look of if he has to, he will kick your ass. And that's a he's a great character. That's all I have to say about Art. No, no. All, I think all four of the parents are done like so well. Yeah. Where it's like you can see like yeah. these two people would create Clark Griswold, mm-hmm. and these two people would create his wife. Like you could right. see. Where it all comes from, and then it's also kind of like they're the perfect, they're the perfect uh, different types of parents to interact with each other. Yeah, where you have kind of like the soft, sensible, um, reluctant ones, and then you kind of have the aggressive, smarmy, right. uh, ready to just kind of take you down a notch at any moment, kind of thing, self obsessed, and like to see those two things like go back and forth is always funny. When it's not real. Right. Uh, like, but that's something that I think that a lot of people can connect with on, like, having to deal with families over the holidays. Yeah. And you could tell, you could tell where Clark's characteristics come from because his his parents are so loving, right? Mm-hmm. They're so caring and they, but they also, you could tell they also fuck up, right? I mean, he has oh, a yeah. whole conversation with his father of, like, how did you, how did you do it? And I had help from Jack Daniels. Yeah, yeah. It's, like, they have all these things, uh... You know, it's holidays, Christmas especially, but like the holidays in general of like, you know, when you get together every year, the same time every year with some of the same people every year of your life. It's a very interesting kind of experiment because it's as you're getting older from like your point of view as like the main character of this holiday season year to year, as you're getting older, you're seeing you're learning more things outside in the world and then you're coming back again and like with these people that they were adults and they taught you some of the first things that you know and you're starting to learn. You're like, oh, Uncle Tommy's like fucking weird. 
People right. don't act like Uncle Tommy. And right. then, you know, the next year, you're just like, yeah, no, Uncle Tommy's definitely weird. No, something's <laughs> definitely going on here. And then it just keeps it you keeps evolving. You, you know what I mean? Like yeah. it's like as you become an adult, and then like you and you yourself have children and start bringing them to the holiday party, and yeah. like they're getting older, and now it's happening again. It's one of those weird things where I think we all think about the holidays as a time to like appreciate one another, spend time with family relax and like learn to like appreciate like the happy things and stuff as stuff slows down towards the end of the year. Um, But I don't know. I don't think a lot of people or at least I myself haven't found myself thinking about this during the holiday seasons up until recent times where it's just like, this is a time to really kind of just go like, well, what's changed in me and like what's changed with everybody else. And like you get to like check back in. And I think it's because, you know, we were all kind of deprived of a Christmas season last year. You know, we really, there really wasn't a a lot. There was no Christmas really last year in in 2020. And it kind of makes you think about, well, I mean, there it was in a different way, right? I mean, definitely, people still got to see each other, but yeah. not in the same way, right? And it, at least for me, it kind of made like Christmas is usually a little stressful with like you know movie theaters and restaurants yeah. and stuff like that. It's it can be a little stressful and seeing your family and having it kind of taken away, not fully, but just like changed in a way that you didn't really have a say in. Yeah, maybe kind of reminded me like, oh no, I kind of do like this. Uh, like the way it is, warts and all kind of thing of yeah. like visiting family or having family visit you and having them over and everything. That's like this year being able to do a lot of that stuff for this holiday season has been very nice for me. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, should we – okay. So I I know everybody loves – everybody loves Cousin Eddie, right? He's like one of the favorites. But for me, the crown jewel in this movie are Aunt Bethany and Uncle Lewis. Sure. I mean – you can't without these two in this movie. Yeah, it could be a, a good Christmas movie, but it's not a great Christmas movie without and again. Them. Like they don't show up until like until towards the, the end. end. I yeah, know. You're just like, oh wait, and then they're also gonna bring in this, which also has like some of the best lines. The best. Yeah. The be- and these two are old school act. I mean, this William Hickey and mm-hmm. um, oh shoot, um, oh uh, May Questel. Mm-hmm. Is that how you pronounce it? I'm not sure how to pronounce it, but I do know that she was the original voice of Betty Boop. Right. Yes. Right. Yes, 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 yes. Betty Boop. That's something you learn when you're a child. And you're right. Like, you see that old person there? They were the voice of this cartoon <laughs> from the oldie times. And you're like, And as soon as what? somebody says that, yeah. you connect with the voice. Yeah. Of course. That, mm-hmm. That's her. Of course. Yeah. And then uh, what's his name? He also played, um, is it Dr. Finkelstein or whatever in Nightmare Before Christmas? Yes. Which I always remember connecting those two voices because it's a very... It's a very particular voice that that guy's got. Yes, it is. Yes. Mm -hmm. Um, And they were also uh, old school. They were vaudevillian actors. Yes. So they, this for them was like a piece of cake Mm -hmm. coming in and just doing this, this bit, this back and forth. I mean, you, they, they felt like they were married for decades, right? Sure. (laughs) You know, um, what was that? Uh, Where she thinks she passes gas, right? Mm -hmm. she, She comes in. And um, and he just has this. Did I break wind? wind? That's break it. That's wind it. Break is wind. great. Break wind. And uh, Uncle Lewis, with his his demeanor, everybody knows that like that hard voice where he's just he's yelling at her for no reason, mm-hmm. but just to make a point. Yeah. In front of everybody and make sure that she hears him. Right. Because maybe he can't hear all that well either. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Exactly. But she has two great moments. 
right? Mm-hmm. Go. She's got the the grace. They both do that. That of would course, give them yeah. Both the, that. the grace is uh, an all timer. All timer. Like it's that's another thing. Like I wait for every time I watch this movie. It's just like as soon as she starts saying "I pledge allegiance," you're like, oh. <laughs> Damn it. This yes. is just gold. Yep. Gold, gold. And right before that, I love that she adds a little line. I, I, I wonder if she ad-libbed this, where she goes, Grace, she died she 30 years ago. ago. The blessing. <laughs> yeah. And you have to do, I love how everybody has to do with the finger, right? Yeah, because he's the, at the finger <laughs> and, 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 the, and like the, the, the mouth, and he's like trying to word it so that she can definitely see. And he gets very close to her so that it's great. It's brilliant, right? And then he goes off and he does his own thing with the cigar and the gas yeah. and being on fire, right? And then she has her crowning moment at the end where she starts saying the uh, starts singing the star the spangled, spangled banner, banner right? yep. i mean those two are are the gems i would say of this movie yeah it's it's one of those things where i think that the movie's got a lot of powerhouse stuff going for it and it doles it out individually you know it, yeah. it, it like starts off with just like you're here for Chevy Chase. Here's all the Chevy Chase stuff, like really up from. Yeah. And then as soon as that stuff starts to maybe get a tiny bit bland, which it never really does. He, no. He maintains energy throughout this thing. But just as like you maybe start getting like it feels a little repetitive, they're like, okay, now here are the parents. Yeah. And then just as that stuff starts getting a little tiresome, here's Cousin Eddie. It's very much an ensemble yeah. movie. And then right, and like Husnetti has enough energy at that point to be able to carry the movie across the finish line, but then like 20 minutes before the end of the movie they're like and here are the aunt and uncle that you saw in like the the camera footage like the that yeah. he was watching up in the attic. Here they are and this is like the final piece of the puzzle and now we can have the ending begin where Clark starts to lose his mind as right. he does in all of these movies. And uh, and it's great. The setup and the payoff. Yeah. I mean, like, Clark losing his mind in this movie is so much fun because it's kind of how I think a lot of us can feel around the holidays where you kind of do just want to break loose. And, and But there's something that's kind of darkly um, intense about, like, getting mad when, like, everything looks so nice and people are dressed up <laughs> like Santa Claus and everyone's there and stuff like that. It's not like just getting mad in your house which you feel comfortable in, your house is filled with people that know yeah. you and have known you since you were a little child and you're a grown-up now and you're losing your temper. Yeah. Uh, it's intense. It's a, it's, it's a funny situation and it's kind of the, it's the kind of stuff that Chevy Chase like really is so good at. Yeah. At playing that kind of, um, you know, he's got like two things where like he can play very like high status um, idiot you know, someone who thinks that they're super high status, but they're actually kind of a moron. Right. Or, um, which kind of leads into the Griswold thing where, like, he, can, he can't really play an every man, but he can play someone who thinks that they're always on top of it, which is right. Gris- Clark Griswold's defining characteristic. And I think I've said this before <laughs> in a previous podcast where we, we were just talking about general Christmas movies, but especially in Christmas Vacation, one of the funniest things is Clark Griswold's superpower to always think that he is in control <laughs> until the very end when he is not. Right. There's moments where it's just like he just makes the best of but every even situation. End, even at the and end. Even, he that's he's in that's control. why it's so funny at the end when he says, I did, I it. did it. Because you're just like, <laughs> I mean, yeah, kind of, but, you know, you cut the newel post and like you had to cut down a tree and you right. exploded something. People almost died. You almost got arrested. You probably almost, you almost lost your job, but you got more money, like all of this stuff. Yeah. But when he like, Crashes through the ceiling, 
oh onto gosh. the bed. Instead of like freaking out, he's just like puts his hands down there and gets it. And when he falls off the roof and he's hanging onto the gutter and he sees the ladder and he gets that little smile, he's like, this is a piece of cake. I right. got this. And he fall, ends up falling. That's one of the things about him that's that's so funny and heartwarming. He's the optimist. It's the thing that allows you to remove Chevy Chase from kind of the equation. If, you, right. if you've heard about how difficult Chevy Chase is to deal with and kind of like the nasty things he's said and done, you start to – Clark Griswold, especially in Christmas Vacation, yeah. is much more – the manifestation of who Clark Griswold is to us right. more so than the other vacation movies where that's much more Chevy Chase's energy. Yeah. Right? He, he, he makes it so that even though you're watching him in this movie and you know it's Chevy Chase, he's not Chevy Chase. Mm. He makes it so that you are, you are aware that this is Clark W. Griswold the whole time. And you have to make an effort to think this is Chevy Chase. Like he very much can make this character whole and beyond, which is mind-blowing. I mean, it's, it's you know, to a, a serious actor or something, right? Mm-hmm. They would look at this movie like, oh, it's just a comedy, right? But it's, but it's not. It's more than that. There's so much going on in this role of Clark W. Griswold in this movie, in, in Christmas Vacation, yeah. that he he does a fantastic job. It doesn't... Not that it doesn't matter who Chevy Chase is. It does matter who he is. And it does matter that he's an asshole. But this will always be the argument, I think, till the end of time. Do you separate the art from the artist? Mm-hmm. And should you separate the art from the artist, right? Sometimes. And maybe sometimes you can just pick which art is worth separating from the artist. Right. It's all dependent on like what they've done and stuff like that. Right. Where it's like Chevy Chase has just been a dickhead. Right. So it's like it's it's still very easy to watch like his big 80s stuff. Um, but, you know, like you start getting into situations of like certain actors who have done like really bad stuff. Like we just yeah. did a screening of Speed Racer the other day, which contains two white guys in it who uh, are abusive to women, uh, right. sometimes emotionally, sometimes physically, allegedly, you know, and we're watching yeah. it. And like we talked about it at the post at the post screening thing. And it's just like they're just really good actors. Yeah. Like they work really good. And it's hard to con- disconnect that. But when you do, you're just like, you know, for an hour and a half, let me be entertained by this dude. Right. And then for the rest of time after that, like, I can be aware that they're like an absolute scumbag right. that, do, that do bad things. And, like, they're not really working anymore. So it's not like they're getting support and stuff like that. It becomes like, what support are you giving by watching these movies, uh, you know, like residuals and everything in support of and talking about them, you know, the legacy and stuff like that. And Chevy Chase has like a very dark legacy with stuff like that because yes. he's been difficult to work with like ever since he first broke on. Like, you know, he left SNL like after one season and right. thought that he was hot shit because quite frankly, he fucking was. Like he had this thing that completely just hit in tandem with like, Stars like Eddie Murphy coming out and, you know, Michael J. Fox and all these people. Like, it was the exact right 80s energy that they all needed on, like, the fucking Venn diagram of what made up the 80s. Yeah. And he was just this perfect kind of representation of this elitist, yuppie, nonsensical idiot. And just had amazing comedic, like, phenomenal comedic timing. Yeah. With all of, like, all these. Exactly. Like, he had all this stuff that... I don't think, frankly, he gets a lot of credit for, but it's fantastic when you notice it. And you're just like, man, he really was like 
fucking on top of it. Top like of he it. knows yeah. what he's doing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the other aspect of this movie, which they kind of sprinkle all over, mm. is Clark's work world, right? Yeah. And yeah, you get a peek into that. <laughs> you get a peek into that. And some of these things, what uh, the uh, the crunch enhancer mm-hmm. is what Clark invented. That's pretty good. Brilliant. It's uh, the and his boss calls it what's that? The cereal varnish. Yeah, right. The varnish. So it makes you. It, it kind of takes you back to the eighties in terms of what kind of food was out there. Oh yeah. Right? Yeah, and that, and how everybody was kind of just like upfront about like how silly it was. It's yeah. just like we're just putting so much shit on this stuff to make it look nice <laughs> or to make it not do the thing that we don't want to do and it's just food and you're just like why are we just pumping all these chemicals and everything? Yeah. Um brilliant. Brilliant. And his coworker uh uh Sam McMurray. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bill is the character. He's uh he's a great straight man to uh to Chevy's Comedy. I mean, mm-hmm. he's just, he he's. I think I know him from uh, Seinfeld. Yeah, totally. Yeah. He he is the pool exposition man. Yes, he is the one that introduces the concept of the pool to us. Right. Or or gets Clark to introduce the concept of the pool. Right. So that we can have this kind of um, this B plot going through. That's kind of pushing Clark mm-hmm. closer and closer to the edge. So it's more understandable that he would lose his mind at the end when this finally happens. Right. And and he even even in the middle, he, um, Bill gives him that. A sense of a little hope. glimmer of hope. He's like, oh, like, oh well, my just, just dropped. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Courier just dropped off the check. Um, you know what? You were right. There was something that I noticed this time that I never noticed before. But okay. it's it's a dumb Burge thing. That's right. Like I'm gonna say, and you're gonna be like, what the fuck are you even talking about? Say it. I noticed that um, the bolts that keep the wreath door knocker on the door yeah. are noticeable from the other side of the door. And they look like uh, – and because you see the back of the front door a lot, like that slow right. zoom in and everything as the parents are arriving. Yeah. And I remember seeing these two dots and being like, oh, I always thought that those were um, like uh, – they're not called peepholes, are they? Are they called peepholes? Yeah, peepholes. Peepholes. Okay. Yeah, peepholes. It's, it's a weird fucking name to call that. You thought it was a two-eyed people? I don't know. No, I thought it was like a two-eyed people, which, which that's why I was like, wait – why would they have two of them? That doesn't make any sense. And then later on, there's the joke where, like, he opens the door too quick because he's angry. And the guy that's knocking on the door, like, now the door knocker is at <laughs> the wreath is in his hand. And I'm like, oh, that's the bolts, the bolts to that. So that is something I noticed this time that I'd never noticed before. Nice. Nice. Yeah. I, and I couldn't stop thinking about it. I, um, I think that no matter how many times you watch a movie, down the road, you will always find something new. That you've never noticed before, because you get into this comfort zone so early on, right? Mm-hmm. Of of this movie that's becoming your favorite movie, that you just kind of let it roll, and then later on, after the two hundredth time you've watched it, you're like, let me let me actually watch it, right? Right? To see exactly what's going on here. Yeah, yeah. And then you'll find something. Um, the other thing, this is a this is a very small role, but so great, uh, played by Doug Llewellyn. Mm-hmm. He is the parade announcer. Oh, yeah. Here come the nuts. Yeah. <laughs> so, Wendy, I, I don't even see the the nuts. There's the nutcracker. The, blow, the wind must have blown him away. Oh, my God. I, I never noticed that until probably I was in my 20s. And then I noticed, and I was looking forward to that. Well, and it's scene. like very low and in so the background. Low. It starts to fade out as like the scene starts to carry on past like the parade on the TV right. and everything. But if you're listening, you're just like, oh, what? 
Um, and this other, is while the two the two grandparents are asleep. On the yeah, because that's another big thing with the holidays. Like oh, people yeah. just passed out Pass all out. over the house. <laughs> um, other things, you know, shitters full. Can't see the line, can you, Russ? Right. Uh, just fantastic, quotable one-liners all over this thing that don't even really need any um, setup in order to be funny as long as every, any, as long as whoever you're talking to understands the callback. Yeah. You know, and there's loads of it in here. Like, right. hap, hap, happiest Christmas, like, ever <laughs> since, what is it? Uh, Bing Crosby danced with Danny fucking <laughs> Kay. It's good. It's really good shit. I love that they saved their one fuck for that line yes. right there, which is perfect because you'd imagine they put it in the big monologue, but they right. they they keep that down, the big rant. <laughs> um, you got anything else on Christmas vacation, dude? Like, I uh, think uh, I think um, this is oh oh. You know what mm-hmm. was surprising was the the actress that plays the retail clerk mm-hmm. is Scorsese's daughter. Oh, is that right? Yeah, I didn't know that until I looked her up. That's crazy. Yeah, uh, her name is Nicolette Scorsese. And she's actually related to Martin Scorsese? That's his daughter. That's crazy. Yeah. That is wild. I don't know if I like that. That is what it is. I mean, if that's fine, but I'm allowed to not like reality right. from time to time. Right. And be like, I don't like that Martin Scorsese's daughter is like this sex object <laughs> in the Christmas Vacation movie. Uh, uh, there is uh, – I, I did find this interesting at the end when um, yeah, Brian Doyle Murray um, – Mr. Shirley mm-hmm. is explaining himself, and the cops are already in. And uh, and you know Brian Doyle Murray is Bill Murray's brother. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. Older, 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 older. You blew my mind with the Martin Scorsese thing. I was like, yeah, mm, maybe no, I, I, I do that. Yeah, I mean, I've known that since I've seen Caddyshack. Good, 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 good. Yeah. yeah. Um, what does he say? The policeman says, "Oh, that's that's pretty low, Mister. If I had a rubber hose." Yeah. <laughs> I never knew what that meant as a kid. Yeah. But when you're older, you're like, holy shit, that's incredible. Yeah. And it's, uh, you know, you like there's obviously a, one of the beautiful things about watching VHS is that every now and then you'll get a copy of a tape that has a real life to it uh-huh. um, because magnetic tape, much like film, um, the more you play it, stop it, pause it, rewind it, um, it affects yeah. how the tape plays. And so you can kind of see uh, little lines starting to form uh, around moments where it was constantly stopped on because it was either paused <laughs> right. or people were rewinding and stopping there to rewatch a scene. Usually happens around like nudity, uh, sex scenes, uh, head explosions, mm-hmm. uh, cool special effects and stuff like that. In this uh, uh, tape that I have, the... <laughs> The the swimming pool scene um, with her undressing and getting naked <laughs> was – I don't want to oversell it and be like it was like practically unwatchable, but it was messed up at wow. many different points. Like it would just get like – but I was able to make out that um, it looks like they've kind of color blurred the very edges of her body when she's like turning around that one time because I think – it was intended to have nudity in it. Uh, yeah. And then, because it looks like they've blurred it out they to like get rid cut. of any like nipple yeah. or too much skin and stuff like that. And then just like cut away right at the like right time. So I I have been, I watched this. Uh, many, many, many times. Many, many times. Yeah. But I watched this last time. I added it to my Apple library. I'm starting to to add digitally. 
Ah, yes. The yes. cloud. It'll always cloud. be there. Don't It'll worry. It'll always be there. Yeah, it's and this, never going to go anywhere. Hopefully, this will be the last evolution where I don't have to buy a new wave of sure. something new, right? Sure. Um, and in this round, there were two new things that I noticed that are I've never seen on TV because on TV, they obviously cut so many times, right? But that scene in particular, yes, they she does give you a bit of like side where you get like a split second yeah. of nipple. Mm-hmm. And but in that it's like in you watched it in something that was much more HD. So it's possible too that yeah. you might be seeing something that might be a little bit less Sharper. edited yes. for PG thirteen yes. because it was different. I'm watching something that was released in nineteen ninety two on VHS. Right. So they were like, no 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 no. <laughs> but I that was another thing I've noticed from time to time is like, yeah. oh yeah, there's that little blur edge right there. Well I think for TV they cut that scene shorter. Oh I'm sure they did. Yeah. yeah. They probably um, just like I feel like I remember I don't even remember her like actually like taking the the strap off her shoulders and looking over you her shoulders. You don't remember that? I think I only remember he's looking out of there, she's dancing, she turns around, he's like a humana 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 awuga. Oh, wow. And then she just kicks the she just kicks yeah. the bikini off her Didn't foot and it hits him. Yeah. And then that's the last you see. You, you I really always see. remember the strap. Yeah. The, the strap was was it for me. Yeah. Yeah, and then and then the way he's grabbing the the wall, like when you start seeing from the other side in reality, yeah. uh, the little girl is like coming up, Pegasus coming, yeah. up, and he's just like grab, like just grabbing the side of the wall. Oh man! Um, the other thing that I noticed on the digital version is I always thought that it ended right after he says I did it, and then there's the the cartoon lights at the end up in the sky, right? Mm-hmm. But it's not. It comes back down to him and the credits roll and they zoom out. It's him yes. with uh, snot yep. looking up. And it like slowly zooms out. Right, mm-hmm. right. I, I, I don't remember ever seeing that before. He's just uh, all alone yeah. in the world. Yeah. But he did it. He did do it. Yeah. <laughs> Chevy. Um, Great Yar- movie. Yarko, thank you so much for joining me on this delicious holiday. We're releasing this. We're releasing this Christmas Day. Awesome. Uh, but we're obviously recording it beforehand. It is the, the 9th of December. So we're we're just about to break into the 12 days of Christmas coming up. Nice. I'm um, pretty excited. Yeah. Uh, going to have myself a good holly jolly time. I'm actually going to get a tree today. Oh. Yeah. Oh, I'm After, get it after work and everything, I'm, I'm heading on over and uh, picking up a tree. Excellent. Pretty psyched. But um, thank you again for joining me. Always good to have you on here. Thank uh, you. Come June or July, uh, a certain somebody is turning 75 years old. So we will be doing a double feature that we've discussed <gasps> talking about before. Yes. It makes the perfect sense. Oh, my God. To just wait a couple months for this person to have a birthday. I love it. Guess it if you can. Um, and those listening, thank you so much for listening. Uh, remember to rate, review, subscribe. Uh, five-star review on Apple Podcasts actually really helps us out if you go down there and do that. And don't forget to go to storyscreenbeacon.com where you can watch a bunch of videos, read a bunch of reviews, listen to a bunch more podcasts, and um, also sign up for exclusive content uh, membership for five bucks a month uh, or get it for somebody for Christmas. It's a good gift. And uh, we also have T-shirts and mugs and tote bags up on there. We'll mail them wherever you guys want. Really fun stuff to have. And uh, other than that, um, uh, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Kiss my ass. Kiss, my ass. Kiss his ass. <laughs> Kiss your ass. Happy Hanukkah.